0: Uh, Hey, good morning. So glad that you've joined us today. Uh, My name is Ben France. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff. And let me tell you, uh, I'm really excited for the text that we're going to be in this morning. Um, because we're going to see what I believe is going to be a significant encouragement to our church, both as a whole and also the individuals that make up the local body that is Vintage Church. Because, man, what I want to show us today in God's Word is something that was taught to me a number of years ago, it was, really, it was a game changer. It was a game changer in my life as a Christian, in my life as a pastor, um, and I believe it could be a game changer in your life too. So I'll be the first one to say, a lot of what I'm bringing this morning, it's not a Ben France original. Please do not leave this and say, oh man, that was so smart, how do you do that? I didn't, it was taught to me. Now it's my job to now pass that along to you. You with me? Thank you, there we go. Man, this is this is one of those lessons, one of those passages that really stuck with me, and I, it's been super formative. So I've titled this message the ministry rhythm. The ministry rhythm. You guys know what a rhythm is? You good on that? Well, for those of you like, Ben, I've never heard of that word in my entire life. Here's what the Webster says. The rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Rhythm is most associated with music, so if we're putting it in music terms, it's that heartbeat, that backbeat. If you're a drummer like me, it doesn't matter what the song does—if it the chorus gets big, or the verses go down, or the bridge goes into like you know halftime. If we're going to get technical, the the rhythm is that constant that doesn't change. Want to do something a little fun? If you don't like this part, you can send all your emails to vcpit.com. I've just wanted to make sure that we're all on the same page. So I want to show you just, just a couple of rhythms that I hope all of you know. How about, how about this? You guys recognize this song? Go ahead and play the first one. We know this one? Yeah, I got some people in the back like, oh, I like this church. Come on. We know this one? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. That song kind of goes all over the place, but the boom, 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 dum, dum, boom, dum, 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 that's the rhythm. It doesn't change. It's there the whole time. How about this one? You know this one? Yeah. Everybody knows this one. Yeah. If you've been alive on this earth for more than three seconds, you've heard this song. That song is forever like ingrained in my head. Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, got released right as PJ was born. And so when you're like a new dad and you don't know what to do with a newborn, you just sit on the couch and hold them and watch TV. And we watched that movie probably a hundred times. Man, that rhythm was so well known that I bet you, I wouldn't even have to play the song. I could have said, hey, start doing the rhythm of We Will Rock You and everyone would have done though. It would have been awesome, but I'm not that bold. So I show you all of this. I play those songs for us to understand this. Ministry has rhythms too. There are patterns, there are cycles, there are things that in our lives as believers we can expect. And maybe you're sitting here saying, Ben, what do you mean? Why why are you talking to me about ministry? I'm not a pastor. I understand. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, you have been called to ministry. You have. You've been called to make disciples in Matthew 28. In 1 Peter 4.10, you're called to use your gifts to support the church. In Ephesians 4.16, you're called to take an active role in building up the kingdom of God. And when we are actively living out the call to ministry that God has placed on us in our each and individual lives, there are rhythms that we can expect to see. You don't have to take my word for it because we're gonna look at it in God's word right now. You with me? with me? All right, grab your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 14. Acts 14 is where we're going to be this morning. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We've been uh, tracking through the book of Acts for the last 10 years, is what it feels like. But there's a lot of really good stuff in there. So we're tracking through it. And, you know, um, last week, I was not even to say that yet. Let's start with this one. This morning, we're just going to look at seven verses. We're going to look at the first seven verses of Acts 14, but I'm briefly at the very end going to skip over to verses 24 through 28. We're going to look at it for a second. And last week, we saw the story of Paul and Barnabas at Antioch, and Paul preaches in the synagogue, right? And despite the number of Gentiles hearing the gospel and confessing Jesus as Lord, a number of Jewish people began persecuting them, and they drove them out of the city, And in the final two verses of chapter 13, we see that despite the persecution, despite the pushback, Paul and Barnabas continue their journey to a new city, and they're filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's where we're jumping in today. Acts chapter 14, let's just look at that first verse. It says this, Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks Believe. Let's pause right there. So, like we said, they were thrown out of Antioch last week, and Paul and Barnabas, they start moving southeast to the city called Iconium. We've got a map back here. That's Paul's first missionary journey. You can kind of see all the different places that he went, and if you look at like the trace, the center all the way up, you see them move from Antioch to Iconium. It's not the longest trip that they took. However, uh, it wasn't like a quick jaunt either. That was a 90 mile walk, and I googled this week how long would it take to walk 90 miles at a leisurely pace, about 45 hours. Just like a quick little road trip. So they're walking for 45 hours, but when they arrive, Iconium is a pretty unique place. It's a cool place. It was kind of considered a, an oasis of sorts. It was considered a garden full of orchards and farms and trade routes and business activity, but it was otherwise kind of surrounded by desert. So that's what they're walking into. And as Paul and Barnabas enter, what, what do they do? What does the text say that they did as soon as they got there? So they went to the synagogue. They kept preaching. Paul and Barnabas went and did the exact same thing that they just got in trouble for over in Antioch. These are my people. Despite that experience, despite the 90-mile trek, Paul and Barnabas keep preaching. See, they understood that hardship difficulty, a bad past experience, didn't exempt them from the task that the Lord had them doing. That's a word for someone this morning. Sometimes we hit difficult bumps in the road when we are living on mission for Christ. We're gonna see that. But that doesn't, it's not a sign for us to stop. No, we're gonna see here, it's it's a sign to keep going. Right there is where we actually see the first step in this rhythm we're talking about. They go in. They arrive in Iconium, they go to the synagogue, and they preach. First step in that ministry rhythm, it's communication. It's communication. It says, it's the book of Acts, and it records, as you know, the early days of the church. And what, what we see here, and what I love so much about it, is the church is not growing in Acts because of programs or events or lights or, or music or whatever. The church is growing because of the faithful preaching of God's word. I think oftentimes we really underestimate the power of the gospel. I think a lot of times, especially in the season as we are in the church, we we overcomplicate what's it going to take to really build something, to build my life, to build the church. It's not all that extra stuff. At the core of it, and at the core of everything that we want to be as a church and as Christians is heralds of God's word. It's the gospel. That's what is growing the church here. That's what's going to grow you as believer in us, is a local body. It's the same message that's been preached for 2,000 years, and it's not gonna change, at least not here. Yes, programs, events, styles of worship, those things might ebb and flow, but the one thing at the core that cannot change is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In everything we do, it's gotta be there. no. If you know me at all, you know that that like, in, a, in like some way hurts me because I love the programs, communication, strategy type things. And we're going to get better at those things too. Those aren't going away. Those are important. But what I am saying is at the core of all of those things, we have to find the basic truth of God's word. So let me ask, do we know how to do that? Like, like truthfully, I know, I know a lot of you, I know that you've been coming here for a while. I know that most people in here would call themselves a believer in Jesus Christ. But if I asked you, what, what is the gospel? How would you communicate that to someone? What would you tell them? How would we answer? How would we do it? I think we really overcomplicate it sometimes. And I'll be the first person to say, that question could scare me too. Because I'm like, well, how do I say in such a way that that, that person's gonna understand? And what if I miss a piece? Well, I, here's, here's what I wanna do for us. If you've been a Christian for 20 years or for 20 seconds this is a really good tool something that I use all the time something that I hope blesses you and um, it's not going to change so you don't have to like think oh if I memorize this then tomorrow I might wake up or next week men might say oh actually there's a new step nope it's not going to change I promise just five words five words I'll give them to you right now it's God sin substitution belief life Five gospel words, man. If you have a hard time keeping track when you're sharing Christ with someone, just remember these five words and let them guide you. First one's God. In the beginning, God created, right? And part of his creation, his crowning jewel of creation was mankind, Adam and Eve. And he made them to have a perfect relationship with him. Then the second word is sin, right? But Adam and Eve sinned and we sin all the time. When sin entered the world, that separated us from that perfect relationship that we had with God. Because God is holy, sin cannot enter into his presence. We are separated, but it took a perfect sacrifice to die in our place to restore that relationship. Who was the provision? It was Jesus. Jesus Christ died in our place to restore that relationship with God. Substitution, right? Right? And of course, there's belief. When we believe that, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we're saved, that's Romans ten nine. And when we do that, when we place our belief, our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, then we have life. That relationship with God is restored and we can live our lives here on earth knowing that we're gonna spend eternity with Christ in heaven. That's the gospel. Five words to guide you. If you can't remember anything else, just remember those. Write them down. I'm really big on like the put it on a note card, put it on your bathroom mirror, dashboard of your car, whatever. Man, if we remember those five words, you're never going to have to worry about fumbling over a gospel message when the Lord gives you that opportunity. That's the message that has been saving lives for 2,000 years. And it's the same message we preach today and it's the same message we see Paul and Barnabas preach all through the book of Acts. And we see the response, right? It says Paul and Barnabas preach in the synagogue and the text says a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. How many? A great number. How many is that? I don't know, but it's great. Praise God. One of the things that God's word promises is that when his word goes out, it will not return void, and that's what we're seeing here. But that's just the first step in the rhythm, right? Communication. It's not always sunshine and rainbows when we enter into the spaces and we are vulnerable and we tell someone about Jesus Christ. No, actually, believe it or not, when we communicate God's word, the second step in the rhythm is something that we can always expect. It's this, it's opposition. Opposition. The word goes out, the opposition begins. Verse two says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Word goes out, opposition starts. There was a great number of Jews and Gentiles who believed, but with that, a number of Jews did not like what was going on. So what do they do? You see what happens there? It says they poison their minds against the brothers. This group of Jewish individuals did not like what was being said, did not like what was going on, so they start chit-chatting, start chit-chatting. The NASB, the New American Standard Bible, does, I think, a little bit better of a job translating that word um, for poisoning the minds of. They use the word embitters. The word embitters means to cause someone to think badly about another. They're not causing a big public ruckus. They're not screaming at them. No, what are they doing? They're going to individual to individual, talking on the side behind closed doors and they're just spreading gossip. Maybe they're taking jabs at them, their character, their leadership, their appearance, whatever it was. Lies, accusations, deceit, gossip. They're talking trash about Paul and Barnabas. That's what's happening. They're trying to discredit the message by discrediting the messenger. They're trying to use a personal attack on Paul and Barnabas to get people to stop believing the words that they said. There's something that I really want us to understand about this. What's going on here? something that is really important when it comes to the opposition that Paul and Barnabas are facing. And it's this, catch this. The level of boldness matched the level of desperation. The level of boldness matched the level of desperation. Right? Paul and Barnabas doesn't go, at least in human terms, super well in Antioch. So what do they do? They take the 90-mile trek over to Iconium. They get into the synagogue and they start preaching boldly again. Here's the truth. That level of boldness that we see in the book of Acts, Satan doesn't like it. The enemy hates it. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say is the enemy is afraid of it. Why? He hates when people are bold for Jesus because he knows at the end of the day he can't stop it. Satan can't stop God's kingdom from being built. He can try to stop the messenger, he can try to instill doubt in you to stop preaching. He can do all of those things, but at the end of the day, Satan knows where this whole thing leads and it's not good for him. So he tries to cause as much chaos as he possibly can in the meantime. Satan doesn't have the power to stop God's kingdom from being built, but he's gonna try. He's gonna try to get you to give up. He's gonna try to silence your message, but he can't stop God. And what we're seeing here is Satan's desperation to divide and destroy the kingdom matches the level in which Paul and Barnabas were bold. We know that because the text says that the Jews were stirring up the Gentiles. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. See, back in those days, Jews and Gentiles did not get along. They were enemies. They were not friendly. You would not see them hanging out at V Group on Tuesday night together. As a matter of fact, the Gentiles were considered pagans. They were far from God. They were unclean. They called each other dogs. They would actively shun each other. They didn't interact with each other, but Paul and Barnabas' preaching was so bold, made the Jews so angry that they're willing to unite with the people they despise to just try to stop it. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? I say that all to say this. Do not underestimate the lengths in which the enemy will go to try and stop God's kingdom from advancing. The bolder you get, the more outspoken about Jesus Christ you are, the more on mission your life is, expect the opposition to match. It's gonna happen. It's a guarantee. We see it all throughout God's word. We're seeing it right here. Man, if you're on mission for Christ, expect some tough sled. And imagine how Paul and Barnabas felt, right? They were doing what God said. They were on mission. They'd just gotten thrown out of Antioch and, Jesus' instruction, we're just dust off your feet, go to the next place. You're like, okay, here we go, 90 miles, 45 hours, we got it. But imagine the energy that must have mustered up. Could you imagine, they must have had to rather muster up to get there. Can you imagine what was going through their heads of, oh man, that did not go super well, but now we're walking for 45 hours, you know, two days. The doubt that could have creeped in. Anyone like me, you get caught up in your own head whenever something goes poorly and you're not like super distracted doing something else. That's me like all the time, ask my wife. Could you imagine? Maybe some anxiety, some doubt, the physical tiredness. But they've, sure enough, they walk two days, they finally get to that new place and now they're in Iconium and they're doing the thing that God has called them to do. But here it comes again. Here we go. Same thing's happening. But their response, the response is so beautiful. We're going to see it. Their response to being in the thick of it all again is where we see that next step in the rhythm. It's this, it's perseverance. Write that down, perseverance. Just write it down so I can take a sip of water. The old preacher trick. Look at verse three. So what's their response to This opposition, these people starting to kind of spin some lies and cause some trouble. Verse 3 says, So they remained for a long time. How long? Long A long time. How long is a long time? time. A long time. Speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders being done by their hands. Verse 4, But the people in the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Durban, the city of Laodicea. La- almost said Laodicea, not the same place. And to the surrounding city. And they continued to preach the gospel. So think of it. If you remember a few weeks ago, these guys received opposition in Cyprus from Bar-Jesus. Now they get driven out of Antioch, and now they're being persecuted in Iconium. But nonetheless, in all three places that the Spirit led them, they keep sharing Christ. There's a couple things I want us to see out of this little chunk. First one is this, is they were in Iconium for a long time. We don't know exactly how long. I tried to do a lot of research. This entire missionary journey of the map that we just saw took about two and a half to three years. So needless to say, it wasn't like hours or days. It was probably closer to weeks or months even. There was an active attack on Paul and Barnabas, but they didn't leave. God sent them to the city on a mission. And even when it was at their own expense, they stayed. Church perseverance requires sacrifice. If you expect to be able to show up and be on mission for the Lord and just phone it in, it's not going to go well for you. It's just not. It requires perseverance. It requires sacrifice. If you want to see God's kingdom grow around you, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Sacrificing your time, some finances, some reputation. But Ben, how long? How long do I have to persevere? I don't know. Maybe a long time. The second thing is this, when opposition rose, they doubled down. This is probably my favorite part of this entire passage in Scripture, because I, I love Paul so much, because he doesn't shy away. Barnabas, I like him too, but we know more about Paul than Barnabas. <laughs> See, remember, in the beginning, Paul and Barnabas, they were it says they were preaching, right? They showed up, they were preaching, and that was enough to stir the pot so much that eventually the leaders and all the people that did not like each other to say, you know what? What should we do to stop preaching? Let's talk some trash. Hmm, not good enough. What should we do? Let's kill them. That's what they do just from the preaching. But do you notice the second part? After the opposition started, when they remained there a long time, they started preaching and also performing miracles. They didn't shy away. Paul and Barnabas did not say, you know what? We're rocking the boat. Maybe we should just lay low for a little bit. Maybe we should just stop. Let's go hit the Airbnb a little bit further out and just like take a breather and rest. No, they double down. They say, huh, you don't believe the message? Well, let me confirm the message. Boom, miracles. It would have been much easier to play it safe. Say, maybe we'll just tone it down a bit. Maybe we'll just preach the gospel and when necessary, use our words. Garbage. Let's rock the boat a little less. Not these guys. Nope. They doubled down. They knew the mission that God had called them to. They knew what God had in store for them. They knew that opposition was coming. Why wouldn't it? It happened in all the other places. But their response in the opposition, was not to pull back, it was to go deeper. It's to persevere. Man, I believe that's a word for some people in here today. Maybe you're in the thick of it right now. Maybe you are in one of those seasons where you're like, Ben, I've been, I've been working on this, I've been trying this, I've been trying to live on mission for Christ, but it's really hard. My answer to you is I know, I'm with you. Let's persevere. Keep going, keep pushing. Church, when the enemy is at work, he wants you to shy away. He wants you to stop being in Christian community. He wants you to take a break from the church. He wants you to stop using your gifts for the Lord. He wants to make. He wants you to make changes that get you further away from the mission. But when we persevere, God works. I love it. Paul and Barnabas they remain there for a long time. They find out that not just like a few people, but now like the Jews and the Greeks and their rulers say, hey, let's go stone them. So what's their response? Let's start doing miracles. And you know what? You're gonna kick us out of the city. That's fine. We'll just go to the suburbs. That's what they do. But they persevere nonetheless. And you know what happens when you persevere? We're gonna see it right now. If you just look over just a few more verses down go look at verse 24 go find verse 24 for me that's just on the other side of the page right so they go to the suburbs like I said and that's what we're going to see it says then they passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia and when they had spoken the word in Perga they went down to Atalia and when they were there they sailed to Antioch where they'd been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how they had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. So we're going to preach through that text in a few weeks. I don't want to spoil a whole lot of it, but what we see in verses 24 through 28 is Paul and Barnabas making more stops than ultimately returning to Antioch where they had been sent out originally, right? It's the end of... Paul's first missionary journey. And like I said earlier, that time, that whole cycle took about two and a half to three years. But the last two steps in this ministry pattern that I want us to to see and, and know, they come from verse 27. It says this, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how they had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. I love the language that Luke uses here. What was the result? This three-year journey, what happened when the communication happened, when the persevering was complete? What does the Bible say was the result? It says the door of faith had been opened to the Gentiles. You know what that is? That's fruit. When the communication is given, when the perseverance has been persevered, the other side of that is fruit. It's true. Think about the imagery here. Think of the illustration. I love it so much. Think about, for just a second, what your life was like before Christ. No hope. A lot of us use the word dark, empty, unfulfilled, confusing. But like a door swinging open and letting the light in, the Holy Spirit illuminated the truth of God's word and you were saved. That's the fruit Luke writes about here the door that had once been shut, keeping the Gentiles in the dark had now been opened. And now the light that comes from faith in Jesus Christ is pushing back the darkness to a whole massive range of people that were in the dark just a couple years ago. Vintage on the other side of perseverance is fruit. That's an encouragement to me. I hope that's the encouragement to you too. Man, there's a lot of people in this room because I, I know a lot of you that are like Paul and Barnabas. You've been staying in your Iconium for a very long time. You guys have been hearing about my brother Micah and my buddy Luke for, I don't know, how long have I been here? Almost a year. Still working on it. I'm persevering, but I'm believing that on the other side of that is fruit. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I'm not God. But he knows. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing in your Iconium right now, despite the opposition, persevere. Because fruit comes. It's a guarantee. It's not an if thing. It's a when. Now what I can't promise is that it's going to look exactly the way that you want it to look. But what I can promise is that God's going to use it. He always does. And when he does, not if, when he does, let's not forget the last piece of our rhythm. It's this. It's glory. 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 Communication, opposition, perseverance, fruit, glory. Verse 27, when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. All that who had done? Church, all that who? God. Not all that Paul and Barnabas had done. All that God had done. When they arrived and they gathered the church together. Who got the glory? It wasn't Paul, it wasn't Barnabas. The glory went to God. Church fam, hear me. We sow seeds, we till soil, we water it. We do not produce fruit. We don't. There's only one person who can produce fruit, it's God. And because of that, because we don't bear fruit, because we only are the sowers or the waters, only God can bring fruit. Therefore, all of the glory goes to him. The result is out of our hands. It's only the power of God. See, I believe that God is building something really special, both in the lives of the people here and through our church as a whole. And as we begin to see the fruit, we need the first to be able to say, look what God did. Just look around you for a second. Just just look. Just take a second, scan the room. It's good to see some growth. It's good to see some fruit. It's good to see all of you here. 6 months ago, this room looked a lot different. Do you know what the difference is between 6 months and now? Perseverance. And what happens on the other side of perseverance? Fruit. And is it me or Rob or any of us that produced the fruit? No. It's the Lord. God did it, and as more people join us, and as we grow as a church, and as you in your own personal ministry see those things, when God bears the fruit, you need to give him the glory. Listen, if we commit to that as a church, if we decide we are going to be believers in Jesus who do not take credit for ourselves, and we point to someone who is much greater than us, that's where legacy happens. That's when when I'm dead, my kids and their kids' kids and I believe their kids' kids' kids will still be believers in Jesus Christ building God's church. Why? Because it's never been about me. The building stop with me. The glory is the Lord's. And when this building is 500 years old in rubble because who knows what happened between now and then, guess what? God's word will still be preached. The impact that Vintage Church had in the season that God had it will still be going out and multiplying. Why? Because it was never about us. Was always about the Lord. He's the one who's bearing the fruit. We get the privilege, not, not the responsibility necessarily, the privilege of being the ones that say, hey, look what God did. That's glory. Legacy doesn't end with us, it continues eternally when we point the glory to the right person. And it will be eternal because we're pointing it to an eternal God. Give credit where credit is due. We can't build anything. We can't. We can try. It's the Lord. My encouragement for us as a church and as you, the individuals that make it up, is when we start seeing those things, let's give God glory. He did it. So, as we close this morning band can start making their way up. Um, shouldn't even say close. We're going to move into something else here. I want to remind us uh, of something that happened this past week. Um, I know a whole big number of you were at our, our worship night. Um, Tuesday night at our city location, a number of us gathered to kick off um, through a night of worship and prayer, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we have this really cool guide that we, uh, that we gave each person that went there. And it's just a... It's just a really cool resource. Um, talks a little bit about High vintage Church. Here's what we're going to do. It's a guide for fasting. Why we pray. Types of prayers that we see in God's word. Why we fast. Why we fast and pray together. Information on fasting. Man, if you missed that, don't worry. You missed out. You did. I'm just going to be honest. It was great. But at the end of February, I have it written in my notes here somewhere. Maybe if I can remember. Oh, yeah. February 21st. I really should have known that. Don't worry, we're gonna end our 21 days of fasting and prayer with another worship night, but it's gonna be right here in this room. It's okay, grab your calendar. You can mark it down, 6.30, right in this room, February 21st, I think that's a Tuesday night. Um, We're gonna end it together, but here's here's what I want us to do today. Uh, Man, if you missed that, let me tell you, it was powerful. Got another one, like I said, coming, but I was thinking about this concept of of perseverance, right? That's what the majority of the text is about. It's where we spend the most time. And I couldn't like separate the two things that there's a lot of perseverance that comes with fasting and prayer. 21 days is a long time to do anything. I can't do something for 21 seconds before I have to change. But we have been called as a church, we believe the Lord has called us into this season of persevering and we're asking God for some specific things and it's on the guide. I forgot to mention, if you didn't get one of these, vintage app it's there the resource find it I'll help you get to it um, but I wanted to figure out a way where, where we could keep this 21 days of prayer and fasting on, on the forefront of our minds I want us to be able to focus on and spend some time this morning um, just sitting in that As a church body. I think when we do things like this, it's really easy to remember to do it during the week. But for some reason on Sunday morning, we say, well, I went to church, so I don't have to spend time with the Lord any other time. That's just not true. There's corporate worship. There's individual worship. God wants both of them. So I was thinking about perseverance and fasting and prayer, and I wanted to keep it kind of front and center. So the staff and I right in this room started thinking about how how should we do that? And we came up with like a super uh, simple way to respond. Phoebe said, Oh, we're doing an activity this morning. She's just kind of right. And one of the things I want us to get in the rhythm of yeah, rhythm, see what I did there as a church is not just hearing God's word and just saying, okay, I'm going to go, uh, you know, think about that and dwell on it. Maybe I will act on it. No, I want us to be a church that acts on the things that God's word tells us to do. So we're going to do something super simple. And this morning, um, we're going to take some time to pray. We're gonna take some time to encourage one another. So here's what's gonna happen. I promise if this is your first week at Vintage Church, we don't do this every week, so bear with me. We have over on the side here a number of note cards, right? Yellow, green, orange, and pink. And each one of those note cards represents a type of prayer that we've challenged us as a church to pray. One is praise, right? praise is yellow pink is confession over on that side so praise will be god I'm thank you for this you are good I am lifting your name high confession is lord there's something that I need to give to you something that I need to repent of something that I've been holding on to that needs to change and I need to confess and give that to you green is commission Right, the Great Commission is to go make disciples, right? It is an action. And what's the one that I missed? Intercession. Orange. Intercession is what I'm asking for this thing. God, God, I need your help in this thing. God, I want to see you move in this area. And if that's not super clear to you, that's fine. We've got these little prompts on the sides so that you can do it. But here's what I want us to do. The band's gonna play and Whatever it is that you've been praying through, maybe for the first time this morning, you're like, oh man, I, I, I don't even know. I'm, but maybe God has put something on your heart. I want us to do this exercise to remind us to persevere, to encourage one another, right? When you see this in the coming weeks, it's gonna remind you that we're all doing this together. But it's also to give God glory. See, I believe over the next few weeks, as we fast and as we pray, we're gonna see a lot of the things that we're gonna put up on this board. We're gonna be able to look back at them in next week and two weeks at the end of February and even beyond and look at those and say, man, I was praying for it. Look what God did. So here's what we're gonna do. Band's gonna play. We're gonna give you an opportunity just to come up and take one of those note cards. Take all four note cards. Take multiple of the note cards. It doesn't matter. And man, if you are been praying a prayer of praise or something that you're super thankful for that the Lord is doing or something and you want that to be on kind of the forefront of your mind Just write that thing down then go up and pin it to the board there's commission there's an action a thing that you are asking the Lord for strength for, for clarity and whatever that is write it down and put it up on the board if there's something that you are asking the Lord to intercede in God I'm asking this of you write it down and put it on the board course confession man if there's something that you're like lord i need help in this thing write it down but here, here's the deal i know that some of these prayers are super personal maybe you're not super comfortable with writing it out that's totally fine as a physical picture of something that god is doing internally don't write anything on it just go take it and put it on the board why do i want you to do that even if it's blank because it encourages others that you're in it with them you with me I was about to say any questions, but this is not a classroom, and that would not go well. And if you're like Ben, I don't get the instructions, but I maybe I I don't know. Just go fill it up. We're gonna just stick it out in the lobby over the next few weeks. So when you walk in, you remember, oh hey, oh yeah, we're doing this. Should probably hop back on that trainer too. It's been a really hard week, but look, I'm not doing this by myself. My entire church family is doing it with me, and then over the course of these next few weeks, we can look at it and say, oh my goodness, I've been praying for that. I've seen the Lord move in it. Look what he did. That's what this time is for. So we're gonna take the next five minutes. I'm gonna do this thing where it's like, so get it in your mind now. What are the things? I'm gonna count us down and then you can get up and move over. It's like communion, right? No one likes to be the first person, but it takes one person for kind of the floodgates to open. We're gonna do it. I'll be the first one and um, pray for it, put it on the board, encourage one another, give God glory. And then we're gonna worship a little bit more and then I got um, some quick housekeeping stuff I get to tell our church I'm excited for. Cool? All right, will we pray for us? And when I say amen, that's our cue. Father God, thank you. God, thank you that you're a God of order. God, that you are a God that puts things into place that we can see patterns and see how you're working and moving. God, thank you that the life that you called us to, even though it can feel super chaotic sometimes, isn't chaotic at all. It's all part of a much greater plan. God, thank you for the faithfulness of people like Paul and Barnabas. Lord, they had no clue that what they were experiencing was a pattern, a rhythm that was going to bless people for literally thousands of years. God, would that encourage us that maybe what we're persevering through right now is something that can be used for an example to others for thousands of years. So Lord, as we go and we think of the prayers of praise we've been praying, the prayers of commission we've been praying, the prayers of intercession, God, and the the things that we've been confessing, Lord, would we be bold as a body of believers? God, would we fill this board because it's going to encourage each other because it's going to remind us to persevere and it's going to give us an opportunity to give you the glory you deserve. God, thank you for our church, for all the people that have come here to worship you and lift your name high. God, would you continue to grow us, to shape us, and mold us into who you want us to be. God, we love you. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.